Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Sang, and I am here with my wife, Melissa. And before today's message, we're going to have a brief discussion regarding some of the points uh, made inside of the message. And what the name of the message is, is Tree of Knowledge. And uh, it's about, essentially, godly knowledge versus worldly knowledge. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about before the service started, actually, was this illustration uh, that a friend of mine gave me in college about how he viewed the world's religions. And what he said is that the world's religions is basically like this, is that it is like an elephant is in the middle of the room and a bunch of people are brought in blindfolded, but they don't know what an elephant is. But they're told to go and touch the elephant and then tell everyone else what an elephant is. And so one person touches the trunk. And so that person says, well, an elephant's a lot like a snake. Another person touches a leg and says, well, an elephant's a lot like a tree. And they all touched various parts of the elephant and described it as it related to the part that they touched. Lots of the religions, they have certain parts of the truth correct, but they don't have the big picture. But what sets Christianity aside is, to me, what needs to be added to the illustration is Jesus then walking into the room, looking and seeing there's an elephant there, and then taking the blindfolds off of everybody and saying, everybody, this is what an elephant looks like. So essentially what... My part of the illustration adds to it is that Jesus reveals the truth to us in its entirety, and we can understand that through the revelation of God's word. Um, I was actually blown away by the scripture that he uses at the end of the message, which you'll hear shortly. Um, it comes from 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. And it reads, we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. So I think that just... Yeah, really cool. We'd like to thank you for joining us for this brief discussion here. I hope you all enjoy the message. Today's message is called Tree of Knowledge. In it, we'll be discussing a finer detail of Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. It is one that oftentimes gets distorted to mean something different than what was intended. God does not want you to have knowledge. Have you ever heard that before? It is derived from Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. The scriptures introduced a tree, and God forbade Adam and Eve from eating the fruit of this tree. The serpent convinced Eve that it was in her best interest to go against God's command. For that, some people have turned the serpent into what we call a sympathetic villain. You remember the serpent's words in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, as it said, God knows that when you eat of it, talking about the tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, in her mind, to Eve, this made sense. Why would God suppress knowledge from mankind? But take note. It is not called the tree of knowledge, rather the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I've noted throughout the years that many people have mistaken the name of the tree 
Even in the scholarly realm, some have instead chosen to refer to it as the tree of knowledge. Why is that? I first realized the gravity of this situation when I listened to a Q&A between an atheist and the renowned apologist, Dr. John Lennox. Now, John Lennox is a brilliant mathematician that uh, actually teaches at the University of Oxford. And certain of his thoughts were actually borrowed from the movie God's Not Dead. So he's an incredible man in the truest sense. And during the Q&A, a young man asked a question to John Lennox, and that was, why did God not want Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge? And immediately, John Lennox sprung to action, and he said, well, it wasn't actually called the tree of knowledge, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at that point, the student actually did something that I couldn't have imagined that he would do, and he said, no, that's not true. John Lennox was take, totally taken off guard by this remark, and then he said, what, what do you mean? And then the man, the boy said, well, you see, in the Hebrew, the, it actually just says the tree of knowledge. I was absolutely flabbergasted at this point because having studied Hebrew, I know that that's not true. And it was a blatant lie that this young man was making up. And once again, in my mind, I just wondered to myself, why is he lying about this? Well, as you might know, this series that we are doing in Genesis is called Agenda. And it is about the agenda of Satan, and it is only through lies that he is able to bring his plans to fruition. This lie was so powerful that Satan told that a man named Saul Alinsky, author Saul Alinsky, dedicated his book, Rules for Radicals, in commemoration of this deception. He wrote, Lest we forget, at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical, from all our legends, mythology, and history. And who's to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which? The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. And so he dedicated his book to Lucifer. And the implication is that Satan, or Lucifer, as he refers to him here, did something smart. Well, that's a lie. What does the Bible really say about knowledge? What is God's attitude toward mankind's acquisition of knowledge? Well, here are two Proverbs to give us insight. Proverbs 15, 14 says, The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. Proverbs 18, 15 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. God created all things that can be called knowledge. Knowledge is good, but the Bible does give some warnings against knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up. That means it can make a person arrogant. Also, the Bible is clear that there is more than one kind of knowledge. And for all intents and purposes, I'm going to simplify it for you here real fast. There is essentially godly knowledge and ungodly knowledge. Paul warned his pupil Timothy about this in 1 Timothy 6.20. He wrote, Timothy, 
Guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. Now, what would cause someone to accept what the Bible calls falsely called knowledge? Or why would someone believe lies? Well, if we take the example of Eve and the serpent, we see the serpent guilted Eve, made her feel insufficient with what she believed. That taught Eve to justify her disobedience to God. Her reasoning is recorded in Genesis 3.6. She saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So as we see, a little bit of pressure can go a long way. Take, for instance, the Ash experiment of the 1950s. A man named Solomon Ash set up an experiment to test how social pressure influences people. And what he did, he brought several participants into a room and asked them a question with a very obvious answer. But one of the people in the room uh, happened to be the one they were really conducting the experiment on, while the other people in the room were plants. They knew the answer before they even came in, but they were told to answer incorrectly. And so you know what happened. After the majority of people answered incorrectly, the person who was the actual person they were testing answered incorrectly along with the majority so that he or she could fit in. Sounds like a creepy sort of one-off experiment, right? Well, in the 1960s was another famous experiment, the Milgram experiment. It was an electrical shock experiment, and it was set up by a man named Stanley Milgram. The goal was to see if people would shock one another if instructed to do so by an authority figure. And sure enough, every single one of them shocked the other people. What's even more shocking, though, is 65% of the people participated proved that they would be willing to shock the other participants to death if the one in charge told them to. So what is this? Why would people be willing to ignore reality, kill their peers, or even disobey a direct command from the Lord God Almighty? The answer is far more simple than what you might think. It's idolatry. The idol of fitting in or not looking like a fool in the eyes of others. Jesus warned his disciples to not fear the opinions of their peers. Their peers' opinions didn't matter. Instead, Jesus told them to fear God, who has the authority to judge mankind. In the garden, God was not trying to keep Adam and Eve in ignorance. He was trying to protect them from idolatry. Eve wanted to feel good about herself. The Ash participants wanted to look smart. And the Milgram participants wanted to please the person in charge. All of this is a result of exalting someone or something else higher than God. I fear that it is because of idolatry that the world is in the state that it is in right now. All it takes in the civilized world is for one expert to say that immorality is natural. Thus, 
immorality is okay. <laughs> but the reality is that immorality by definition is immoral. <laughs> we put so much faith in experts and doctors and bureaucrats that we have no faith in the reasoning ability that the Lord Almighty has instilled in us. We are more familiar with posters, memes, and bumper sticker slogans than what we are with God's infallible word. Our actions should not be determined by some human authority or by some expert, but by the words, thus saith the Lord. God wants you to be intelligent. He wants you to seek out knowledge and walk in the ways of wisdom. Now, the Apostle John, he wraps up his letter that we call 1 John in a spirit very similar to what we're talking about right now. So I want you to listen carefully as we conclude this message. This is from 1 John verses 19 through 21. He wrote, We know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I'd like to thank you for joining us for today's message. Once again, I am Pastor Bill Sang, and I am with Faith Presbyterian Church. Feel free to join us at 1030 on the morning on Sundays to worship together with us. And once again, I'd like to thank you for joining us for today's message.